On today's Acoustic Tuesday show, I'll be showing you three more resonator guitars from my guitar snow that just so happened to be a happy accident. One of these guitars was sent to me for review, and it started my ongoing love affair with Mule resonator guitars. Go ahead and strap your socks on, because although two of these resonators are almost the same, they vary wildly. You'll see what I'm talking about. Hey TAC family, welcome to episode 286 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including some award-winning folk singers, a guitar factory tour from across the pond, and much, much more. Plus, I'll be visiting some comments and questions from a few past episodes of the show. But first, let's talk Mule Resonator guitars. You know, I almost called today's show the Acoustic Mules Day show. See what I did there? Mule Resonator guitars, Acoustic Mules Day. But Alas, it's Acoustic Tuesday. Let me go ahead and dig into this guitar that I'm holding right now. I've got three mules to share with you, but we're gonna kick off with the one that started it all. Let's go ahead and listen to it first. This is a Mule Tricone Resonator guitar. It has a steel body. Underneath the hood is a Tricone Resonator system. So instead of a single biscuit cone or a single spider cone, there's actually three tiny cones in there that are responsible for essentially amplifying the guitar. You've got a mini humbucker pickup, ebony fretboard trimmed in maple for binding. You've got a maple neck, as well as a slotted head headstock with that beautiful mule inlaid, I believe in steel. Uh, some sort of metal. Uh, slot head vintage style tuners, and the nut width is about an inch and three quarter. I didn't measure exactly, but it's definitely wider than an inch and 11 sixteenths. At least that's what it feels like to me. This guitar has just a wonderful biting tone. I absolutely love it. It's biting, but it has a little bit more sustain than your traditional single cone biscuit resonators. Let's go ahead and hear it once again, and then I'll share with you how I came to own this guitar. So this guitar was sent to me for review by Matt at Mule Resonator Guitars. He sent it to me, I actually reached out to him and I said, hey, if you have any guitars, I'd love to get my hands on one to review it because, well, I don't think folks are able to try these all that much. Matt was pumped, he sent one to me right away. I gave it a review and I was absolutely blown away. As you can tell, this is actually an earlier Mule because of the tailpiece. Uh, they switched the tailpiece here in the last, I guess few years, maybe five years. I don't exactly know. Uh, you'll see on another guitar I have coming up. But so the guitar arrived, I did the review, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then Matt emailed, he said, hey, uh, ready to get the guitar back? Uh, I'll send you a shipping label. And I said, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Um, can I own this guitar? And he said, yeah, sent me an invoice, I paid for it, boom. This mule was mine. It's the first one, it's the lead domino, and I absolutely adore this guitar. It certainly didn't help that Charlie Parr played one as well, because when I heard him play, I thought, that's the sound. 
that's the sound I want. And uh, lo and behold, this guitar delivers big time. So why is this guitar in my guitar snow? Well, as I mentioned, as I alluded to earlier, this guitar has the bite, the crunch, everything you want from a resonator guitar, but it has a lengthier sustain. You know, single biscuit cone resonator guitars have this wonderful thump, this wonderful strong projection, but they are short on sustain, which makes them really good for other applications. However, this guitar has this wonderful ring to it. I can flat pick on it, I can finger pick on it, and it just delivers because the sound just seems to keep ringing. That's spinal tap, it just, it's still ringing. Anyways, that's why this is guitar, that's why this guitar is in my guitar arsenal. I absolutely adore it, as I mentioned before. It just, it's, it's a sweet tone. It caters well to blues, it caters well to finger picking with finger picks, it caters well to finger picking with just bare fingers. All in all, it's kind of a Swiss army knife and I really, really dig it. Next up, the Mule Mavis. This is a slim body, electric, acoustic, musical tool. I'm gonna call it a musical tool. As you can see, it is a slim body. It has an arched back, which is beautiful maple, and the top is also maple. And one of the things that drew me to the Mavis is how striking it is visually. But then once I got it in my hand, mind blown because it's a very versatile instrument that brings out a whole new side of your playing. This is, uh, in essence, a single biscuit cone resonator, but because of the thin body, it doesn't necessarily resonate all that loudly. It's like a, a hybrid electric acoustic resonator. It does have a mini humbucker on it, a volume and a tone control, ebony fingerboard, uh, maple binding on that ebony fingerboard, maple neck, solid headstock, vintage style three on a plate tuners. Again, uh, a little bit over inch and three quarters on the nut, or rather a little bit over an inch and 11 sixteenths on the nut. I believe it's an inch and three quarters. I like the uh, nickel wound strings on this because the pickup seems to uh, resonate with them a little bit better, but um, yeah, this guitar is a unique bird and one that we'll delve into here in just a little bit, but let's hear it first. Now you just heard it, and I wanna tell you why it's in my guitar snow first before I tell you how I got it. So you probably listened to it and you thought, okay, that's pretty quiet. It's like almost playing an electric guitar unplugged. That's actually how I use this guitar the most. To me, the timbre of this instrument, the tone of this instrument is almost like a banjo, but not so in your face. 
I love playing this guitar with finger picks. I love playing it with bare fingers. It gives me this wonderful feedback as a player. And bonus, I don't have to quiet this guitar down, right? If Emerson's sleeping, if Whitney's sleeping, I could play this guitar, still get the resonator feel, but not have the resonator volume. And I gotta tell you, in the studio, this is kind of a jack of all trades because if you're looking for just a little bit of a different tonal profile, maybe you're wanting to add a layer to something, maybe you wanna make this the main feature but have it sound, almost have the listener question whether or not it's a resonator guitar, a banjo, or, or something else. It kinda offers this wonderful plinky, plunky, sustained sound with a little bite, with a little crunch. It really offers a ton in terms of sonic, uh, um, sonic array, uh, uh, the, the palette of sonic possibilities. I coined that one. Uh, so that's why this is in my guitar snow. Yes, I love plugging it in, but I find myself playing it probably 80% acoustic and only 20% plugged in. Uh, it's very useful, as I mentioned, because it's just kind of a, a, a tonal sweet spot, if you will. Let's listen to it again. How I got the Mule Mavis is a really interesting story. I was sitting here at the studio one day, I got an email from Matt that just contained a spec sheet. I think it was one sentence and it said, hey, go ahead and pick out some specs. I was like, okay. So I picked out some specs, sent him an email back. He said, thanks. I said, cool. Four months later, six months later, I can't remember the exact time frame. This guitar showed up and I, my jaw hit the floor. I was humbled, I was extremely grateful. And I emailed Matt and I was like, uh, this is here. And he's like, yeah. He's like, use it, use it as a tool. See what happens, see what you can get out of it. And I did. And I just, I'm so grateful for not only the instrument, but the relationship that I have with Matt. Matt has become a dear friend of mine. Uh, we text message on a regular basis about music, about food, about business, you name it. Um, so this guitar signifies a lot to me. Um, both, again, a, a musical tool, but also a, a friendship born from music, which I think is just so darn special and uh, so grateful to have this in my guitar snow. Let's listen to it just one more time. To the Blue Bastard. Yes, the blue mule resonator that I have. Uh, it's very similar to the plain steel one that I have with the exception of, well, a few things, uh, namely the cutaway. And the other thing that's pretty obvious is the color. Again, this is a steel bodied resonator guitar. It does have a tricone resonator system under the hood, which again offers that beautiful sustain. It does have a cutaway, uh, ebony fingerboard bound in maple, maple neck, inch and three quarter nut, again, a little over an inch and 11 sixteenths. I'm not sure it's the exact measurement. Uh, slot had headstock, vintage style, three on a plate tuners with cream buttons to kind of match that cream tailplate, the cream palm rest, and the cream screws that are holding on the cover plate. And you'll notice that this tailpiece is different than the one on my steel mule because this is a later iteration of a mule resonator guitar, uh, a more recent iteration, I should say. Now this guitar has an awesome story. Um, because I kind of got it on a whim. I'll tell you that story in a minute, but first I want you to hear it and I want you to notice how different it sounds than that first uh, uh, steel body mule resonator that I played. Although it's the same specs, nearly the same specs, it sounds 180 degrees different and there's a specific reason why.
I'll get to the reason why it sounds so different when we talk about why it's in my guitar arsenal because it fits a perfect niche. It's like a puzzle piece. It's like when I got this guitar, I, was, I just placed it in and I was like, that's the last piece of the puzzle or so I thought, right? You can never have enough guitars. But it fits a very specific role within my guitar arsenal, within the lineup of resonators that I have. But first, how did I get this guitar? Well, it all started back in August of 2022. The Fretboard Summit was held in Chicago. I had a blast. I actually spent a lot of time hanging with Matt. I spent a lot of time hanging with the folks from Thompson Guitars. I got to, to meet Jason Verlindi, uh, the, the editor and editor-in-chief. I don't know if that's his exact position of the Fretboard Journal. Uh, met Molly Tuttle, all these amazing things. It's like, it's like the epicenter of acoustic guitar, guitar in general, guitar geekery. So uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show already, but tickets are on sale for the three Day event. It's coming at the end of August in 2023. Definitely consider that, but I digress. The story of this guitar starts there. I spent a lot of time with Matt. As I said, we met at this cool coffee shop in uh, Lincoln Square, I think every morning of the, of the festival, the, the summit, and just chatted. You know, not necessarily always about music, but music was certainly there, just chatted about life, etc. And uh, I came back from that trip just feeling reinvigorated with music, with guitar, but also with this amazing sense of community that surrounds the guitar. It's, it's, you cannot ignore it. It's just plain there, and it's a really special thing. And I was checking out the Mule guitar site one night, and um, I saw that this guitar was available. And I thought to myself, wow, that's odd. They don't really always have guitars available, right? Usually custom order one, you're waiting upwards of uh, 12 months, maybe 16 months for a resonator guitar. I'm not exactly sure on the time frame there, but usually wait a while for these. So I saw it and I thought, that is a striking guitar. Now notice it doesn't have a pickup either. I should have mentioned that right off the top, but it doesn't have a pickup either. Uh, purely an acoustic guitar here. And uh, it just struck me. I saw this guitar, I was like, whoa, that is beautiful. The blue, the cream, just the, the general feeling of the guitar uh, that it kind of gave off, the kind of vibe that it gave off. I didn't mention it has this beautiful flame maple neck as well. I don't know if you can see it from there, but it's gorgeous. Anyways, saw this guitar on the site and I was like, hmm, that's really neat. And it kind of stuck in my head and I went to bed it was still in my head. I sound like I'm doing a nursery rhyme right now. Woke up the next day, busy. I think I was probably filming or something. And uh, this guitar just was like, it was nagging. It was just kind of in the background processing, right? And I thought, surely that has sold by now. Checked the site again, it was still there. And I thought, oh, okay, interesting. Had a hockey game that night. Came home from the hockey game, and usually I'm all jacked up after hockey. It's just, just plain hockey gets me all fired up, and I can't go to bed anyway. So sitting at the kitchen table, check on the site again, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's still there. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get this guitar, and I ordered it. I didn't tell Matt I ordered it, nothing. I got a text the next morning, and Matt's like, Either you like blue guitars or there's somebody else named Tony Policastro. Those are the only two scenarios I can think of. And I said, I do like blue guitars. And he said, man, that's so cool. So this guitar showed up. I absolutely, absolutely love this instrument. And I'll tell you why here in a moment. But first, let's hear it one more time. So why is this in my guitar arsenal? If I already had a Mule Resonator guitar that shares nearly the same specs as this one, why is this one in my guitar arsenal? Because it sounds so different. And it's Charlie Parr's fault. The strings that I use on this instrument are Tomastic Flatwounds, medium gauge Tomastic Flatwounds. It offers this wonderful tubby, uh, almost uh, uh, woody sound, which is ironic because it's a steel-bodied guitar. The strings are easy to play. I feel like there's less tension on the strings. So playing this guitar fingerstyle is a treat. And again, the tone that it offers is almost like a duller resonator sound, which in the studio is pure 
magic. If you play slide on this guitar, you don't get that kind of zing from the wound strings because they are flat wound, right? There's no, no squeak, nothing. Pretty cool, right? But the sound, the tone of the strings are amazing. And I remember Charlie said, Charlie messaged me and he said, you're not gonna like me for this, but you gotta try out flat wound strings on your mule. And I was looking at flat wound strings and I'm like, yeah, these are like 40 bucks a set. I mean, I'm gonna go broke. <laughs> but anyways, I got the strings, tried them out and immediately fell in love. Uh, so this guitar fits a specific role in that I can mic it, close mic it, and it offers this nice full sound that's not necessarily as bitey as all of my other resonators are. And um, yeah, it's just a treat to play. It really is just a treat to play. And I can also flat pick on it, which isn't all necessarily that common on resonator guitars, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. I love flat picking on this because of that duller tone. I can kind of get sensitive and the guitar rings and it's not overly powerful. So just an all around stellar instrument that I'm really glad I stepped out on a limb and got. Before we get back to the rest of the show, I do have a question for you. Which batch of guitars from my guitar arsenal should I share next? Should I do the slope shoulder dreadnoughts or should I do the vintage Martins? Go ahead and let me know in the comments below. And while you're at it, if you feel like it, let me know what's your favorite guitar from today's show. Was it the steel bodied mule? Was it the Mavis or is it the blue bastard? That's this guitar obviously. Go ahead and let me know in the comments below. Okay, I got to grab the desk and we'll get to some acoustic news you can use. Time for your first dose of acoustic news you can use. And I'm going to kick things off with an announcement. I want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. I want you to participate. Now this episode will be episode 290. So basically four episodes away from today, about a month away from today. And I wanna collect your questions and compose an entire show on about me answering questions that you have. Now, these could be questions about guitars, guitar playing. It could be really anything, okay? It doesn't just have to be questions about guitars or guitar playing. It could be, why do you live in Montana? It could be, what's your favorite color? What do you like to eat? It's literally going to be an Ask Me Anything episode. So everything is on the table. Now, there are specific instructions I want you to follow. I wanna make this easy for you. So in the comments below, if you wanna participate in the Ask Me Anything episode, all you have to do is put capital A, capital M, capital A, A-M-A, and then go ahead and ask me the question. I really look forward to your questions. Hopefully you can put me on the spot. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Again, that's gonna be episode 290, about a month away from today. And if you wanna participate in the comments below, just put A-M-A and go ahead and ask me your question. Okay, on to some awesome acoustic news you can use. And that is, uh, well, first up, a couple weeks ago, Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley were here in town for a show at Live from the Divide, my favorite small format venue. This is a 50-seat venue, much like a house concert, maybe subtly bigger than a house concert, and it is truly a magical experience. It is the best venue in Montana in my opinion. The week prior to Rob and Trey coming, I saw Tony Furtado there. It was awesome. I got to hang out with him and just chat a little bit, him and Luke Price. Wow, what an amazing duo. And then, uh, like I said, Rob and Trey came through. I had a chance to pick with them for a little bit, hang out with them, and that was just um, a delightful treat. Rob, Trey, uh, their sound guy, Dave, Dave Williams, um, just a, a bunch of great humans. I was going to say a gaggle of great humans, and I almost said bagel. Um, a, a, just a, a group of humans that are 
so incredible to be around, so inspirational, and man, can they play. Just awesome to hang out with them. Uh, on another note, speaking of awesome folk duos, Ferris and Jason Romero. Uh, about uh, maybe a year-ish ago, they released an album, Tell Em You Were Gold. Well, they recently won a Juno for that album. I believe it was the best folk album. Uh, so congratulations to Ferris and Jason Romero, a killer folk duo, and uh, Jason and Ferris also make incredible, incredible banjos. I'm talking banjos that are just incredible to look at, but also they sound like nothing else. I feel like uh, uh, they, they just eat, breathe, and sleep banjos. And when they're not eat, breathing, and sleeping banjos, they eat, breathe, and sleep folk music. Um, just a great duo. And if you have not heard them yet, uh, let's actually go ahead and listen to a song by them right now. the music train rolling here right now. Uh, Taylor Ashton, I've mentioned him on the show here before, uh, a phenomenal singer and somebody who you listen to and you're just like, it doesn't even look like he's trying that hard when he sings. It just doesn't, it seems completely effortless. And he just released an EP called Pizza Tickets. And this EP, to the best of my knowledge, is composed of covers done in a unique way, with a twist. And the one that caught my ear was One Hand in My Pocket, an Alanis Morissette song that Taylor plays on the banjo. And he has this wonderful minimalistic treatment of the song that just is captivating. Now, interesting story about Alanis Morissette. When I was a boy, uh, I was able to walk up to the stores. I was probably in fifth grade, sixth grade, yeah, we'll go with we'll go with fifth, sixth grade. And I remember my mom being like, okay, you can walk up to the stores. Now the stores were like, I don't know, maybe a mile away. It was a big moment for me. And the stores consisted of like 7-Eleven, uh, a pizza joint, a Subway sandwich shop, and Rose Records, which is no longer there because record shops are kind of going by the wayside, unfortunately. But anyways, this is my hometown of Schaumburg, Illinois. Walk up to Rose Records, and all I wanted to purchase was the Alanis Morissette album, Jagged Little Pill. And I was so excited because it was kind of my, my first trip to the stores. And I walk into Rose Records and very sheepishly looked around, could not find the album anywhere. Now, it had just come out. So usually record stores would have a big display, et cetera, with all the album, you know, big uh, cardboard display with the picture of the album, whatever. And I'm walking around the store and I'm looking through the, the, the racks and I'm in the A section. I cannot find Alanis Morissette. Well, young Tone, if I was to talk to him right now, I would say, hey, Tone, good effort, but her last name begins with an M. Go over to the M section and find the album. So I asked the record store employee very sheepishly and embarrassingly so, and he said, yeah, it's right over there. And there was a big display in the M section because their last name's Morissette. But that's not the point. I just wanted to share that story with you. Um, the point is Taylor Ashton gave this just a beautiful minimalist, minimalistic treatment and I want you to hear it. So here is Taylor Ashton playing the song One Hand in My Pocket off of his new EP, Pizza Tickets. Here he is. What it all comes down to, yeah. Said I haven't got it all figured out just yet. I've got one hand in my pocket And the other one is giving a peace sign I'm free but I'm focused I'm green but I'm wise I'm hard but I'm friendly, baby I'm sad but I'm laughing I'm brave but I'm chicken shit I'm sick but I'm pretty, baby What it all boils down to no one's got it all figured out just yet And I've got one hand in my pocket And the other one is playing the banjo 
Now I've got a couple of inlay projects I wanna share with you. Inlays on fretboards just plain inspire me. They're just stunning and not only do they inspire me because of the way they look, if you actually just rewind the clock and think about the work that went into the inlay, designing it, cutting the inlay cavity, picking out the materials to best represent the subject being inlaid, it is just darn amazing, awe-inspiring. And uh, Kevin Ryan Guitars posted this series of pictures, and I just wanna show them to you right now, just some inlay projects that they have in the work. First up, this beautiful lion that is just, um, wow, talk about jaw-dropping. Then you've got this wonderful floral theme with a butterfly. And then you have, uh, let's see, this kind of um, art deco, kind of turquoise-infused, I guess, flower, we can call it. But um, really stunning stuff from Ryan Guitars. I feel like they just, continually raise the bar and push the boundaries of what is possible with a finely crafted acoustic instrument from their acoustic flute design to their bracing design. Um, those guitars are truly works of art. And then one more thing on the inlay note, uh, I'm a banjo lover. Uh, you all know that if you've watched the show for some time and Enoch banjos, Kevin Enoch is, um, just a maker of beautiful banjos. I was first exposed to his banjos, the Enoch Tradesman, which is kind of his his no-frills, utility open-back banjo that is still um, a front-runner, in my opinion, in terms of a quality banjo being made for a really good price. Uh, but he posted a picture. It was uh, in memoriam of, let's see, I'm gonna read the caption because I don't wanna get any of this wrong. Uh, first of all, what drew me to this was the inlay, Creature of the Black Lagoon on a fretless banjo. Now. I love horror movies. I love all things horror. So of course this jumped out at me and I thought it was very, very well done. Again, think of the materials involved here, getting that beautiful green iridescent color and kind of simulating that underwater environment. Um, the, the actual caption says this, I know most of my friends have seen this banjo before, but I'm reposting as a tribute to Riku Rikau Browning, who passed away in February. He played the creature from the Black Lagoon in all the underwater sequences. His obituary is in the Washington Post today. Just, um, and the fretboard, I mean, just, I mean, come on. Look at this fretboard. It, it's so cool. It's, it's literally a cross-section of all the things that I love. Acoustic instruments, banjo, creature of the Black Lagoon, creature from the Black Lagoon, rather, and uh, just beautiful inlay work. So I uh, wanted to share that with you because I thought, well, I thought you needed to see it. Uh, now let's go ahead and see what the TAC family is working on today. Go ahead and grab your guitar. Now each week the TAC family rotates through the five essential skills that makes song learning that much easier. Your fluency in these five skills allows you to look at a song through a different lens and actually learn it much faster and much easier at a much more rapid pace. On Monday, the TAC family does a technique challenge Tuesdays, a guitar lick challenge. Wednesdays, an improvisation, cha improvisation challenge. Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge. And Fridays, a chord transition challenge. It is Tuesday. They are working on a guitar lick, and here it is. Your guitar lick for today is in the key of A minor, and it has two twists embedded in it. Uh, the first of which is it's written in 3-4 or waltz time, so it has a little bit of a different feel. The second twist is that this lick is three measures long. So it actually opens the doors for possibility. We can play it as written, we can play it in pieces, and I think you'll see that it is quite useful in a variety of scenarios. But first, you probably wanna hear what tax deduction scavenger hunt sounds like. Here's how it sounds. It's a really cool lick that is actually a fingerstyle lick. And you're gonna notice as I played it, it sounds a little bit choppy, like the notes get cut off. And that's for a good reason that I'll get to here in just a minute. But first, TAC family, if you wanna learn this note for note, please log in. This is your daily challenge. Go ahead and click Start Challenge. That'll take you to the teaching video. Once you get this under your fingers, you can move to the play along video. Go ahead and pick a speed that's comfortable for you. And don't forget to open up the tab by clicking on that icon in the lower right hand corner. So this like, how do you actually use it? Well, I mentioned that it's written 
in 3-4 time, so it falls nicely in line over a general waltz rhythm. It's in the key of A minor, so what I want to do is just play an A minor chord, so you can kind of get the feel of the groove of this 3-4 time, and then I'm going to insert the link. Uh, the, insert the lick, not the link, we're not talking internet here. Uh, so let me go ahead and strum the A minor chord, and you can kind of get a sense for this waltz time, and then we'll take a break and I'll integrate the lick. Okay, here's how that 3-4 time sounds. One, two, three, and one, two, three, and one, two, three, and one, two, three, and one. So it almost has this brooding feeling, especially when you play a waltz slowly. Kind of has this, this spooky feeling. Now I'm going to go ahead and integrate the lick in the in its entirety. Okay, so this is a three measure lick. It's going to occupy three measures, and then I'm going to come right back into that strumming pattern. That'll sound like this. So it fits very nicely as kind of an end of a phrase. Maybe you're singing, you throw this lick in, and then you carry on with the next verse or maybe into a chorus. But the hidden gem with this lick is you can actually break it apart into two pieces. You can have a nice two measure lick or fill, and you can have a nice single measure lick or fill. Let's go ahead and first look at the two measure lick. So I'm just taking the first two measures, chopping it off there, and going right back into that strumming. So I'm going to come into the lick from strumming that A minor chord, and then I'm going to exit the lick going back to that A minor chord. That'll sound like this. See, we're coming back on the one right there on that second fret of the G string. Okay, so the one measure lick, and this one's really powerful because you don't need a lot of time for it. It's just a single measure of three, four time, just three singular beats. So it works great as uh, if you're strumming along a bunch of A minors and you just want to break things up, this is a fantastic way to do that. So let's go ahead and listen to how that would sound. This is the final measure of the lick. I'm starting off on that second fret of the G and then carrying out the lick from there. Strum the A minor, go into the lick, come back out into that A minor chord. That will sound like this. So on and so forth. It's a great little kind of descending, almost stair-step sounding lick that, again, just breaks up some standard strumming in a, in a waltz, which is pretty nice. It's nice to throw a little flair into a waltz every once in a while because you don't have a lot of time. So you don't want to fill it with all these extra notes. This is a great way to add a little spice. I hope you really dug this. And there's one thing I wanted to mention before we get back to the show. And that is this. You know, when you're learning a lick such as this, my, my tab's on the ground right here. When you're learning a lick like this and maybe you, you finish it and you think, gosh, I can't do that. That's a, that's a realistic thought, right? It doesn't have to be this lick. It could be anything that you're working on. You could say, gosh, I can't do that. So you evaluate your playing session or your guitar playing as a whole in terms of what you can't do. I want you to turn that around 180 degrees. Instead of Instead of evaluating what you cannot do, evaluate what you can do. Yeah, maybe you didn't get the whole thing in one sitting. That's fine. That doesn't mean you can't do it. What can you do? Maybe you got the technique. Maybe you got a couple of the notes under your fingers. Maybe you got the first three notes of this and it sounds really good. Evaluate what you can do because you can do this. We're just all on different timelines, right? It's going to take a different amount of time for, for one person to learn it than it is another person to learn it. But you can do it. So look at your guitar playing from that perspective. Don't focus on what you can't do. You'll always find a negative if you look for it. Look for a positive. Evaluate your guitar playing on what you can do. I'm feeling rather yappy today, so I'm going to try and make this quick. I want to look at a few comments from Acoustic Tuesday, episode 283, the Flying With Your Guitar episode. Now, during that episode, I had asked, I said, hey, if you have any tips for flying, go ahead and leave them in the comments below. And wow, you all just really rose to the occasion. There is a 
a, just a laundry list of great things to consider when flying with your instrument in the comments section of that episode. So if you have not checked it out, please do so. Share it with your friends because I think it's a, I think it's going to turn into a val very valuable resource for those who want to fly with their acoustic guitar. Now, I do want to visit some comments from that episode. The first one is a bit of a negative comment, but it brings up a very important point, something you need to hear, especially if you're a frequent watcher of the Acoustic Tuesday show. The comment comes from James McGraw, and he says this, can't get past the mad Rasputin look. Seriously? Question mark. Can't control it. This is how I was born. Uh, you got to take it up with my parents, I guess. Anyways, uh, what I really want to get to with this comment is the reply. The reply comes from DM on Telegram at the underscore acoustic life. It says, hey, you've won a prize. Don't reply to anything that says Telegram, period. They're bots, they're all over YouTube. Uh, don't fall for it. I've gotten messages on Instagram about this very uh, Telegram scam, and I've notified YouTube, I've reported the, the various uh, Telegram accounts that are imposter accounts opposing as Acoustic Life, Acoustic Tuesday, Tony Polo Castro, Tony's Acoustic Challenge, uh, any variation of that. I am not on Telegram. I will never be on Telegram. I will never notify you of winning a prize via the comments section on YouTube. It's not gonna happen. It's a scam. Don't reply to it. If you could do me a favor, go ahead and report it as a spam comment. That might work. Uh, I've asked you to do that in the past. You've done it. And unfortunately, YouTube has just not uh, really done anything. I've seen it all over various YouTube accounts. And unfortunately, it's kind of like a YouTube plague in a way. So ignore everything from Telegram, okay? End of public service announcement. Now the comment continues. James McGraw says, great, and here's one for you. Rasputin would be okay if you could play as well as you mouth off till distraction and sleep. Here's your surprise with an obvious emoji telling me that I am indeed number one. Um, sorry, James. I'm sorry that you spend your time leaving crummy comments. That's, that stinks for you. I feel sorry for you. Anyways, moving on to much more happy things. I really wanted to focus on that comment because of the telegram issue. Anyways, moving on to more beneficial, constructive comments. Uh, Larry Lee says this, knocking on wood, I've had good fortune packing my acoustic guitar in a hard shell case, detuning the strings, using newspaper to stuff the in the using newspaper to stuff the empty space around the headstock, top, bottom, and sides. It prevents the headstock from snapping off if it gets dropped. Then gate check it. One time I was allowed to put it in the overhead, but it was a less than full flight, which is rare in Seattle. Alternatively, I like shipping it ahead and probably should invest in a flight case. One more alternative, get yourself a beater guitar. Good enough to play, but not so good that if it breaks, you'll also break your heart. Great recommendation from Larry there. Thank you for sharing your experience. The next comment comes from Roger Allen. He says, good show, thanks. Here's my question. If we have to check the guitar, do we know if the hold is pressurized? Does it matter? Is the hold heated, sort of heated, freezing cold? Does it matter? That's the unknown other side of traveling with guitar. What do you think? Uh, to be honest, Roger, I, I don't know. That's a great question, something I've actually never thought of. I will say that judging by the times that I have checked my guitar, feeling the outside of the guitar, it has been cold. So I'm gonna say it's probably not heated in the hold. Um, maybe if there's airline personnel that watch the show, they could answer in the comments below. But uh, I thought it was a great question. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, I wish I could answer confidently and accurately. I just, unfortunately, I can't. Um, I've also only flown uh, the time I checked the guitar. Actually, no, I, I checked it during summer. It's always been cold. So I'm, I'm assuming it's probably not heated. But again, if there's any airline personnel watching, go ahead and uh, let us know in the comments below. I think we'd all be curious about that. Great, great question. Um, speaking of airline personnel, uh, the next comment comes from North Jasper. I've actually got two comments in the same vein here. This first one comes from North Jasper. I'm an airline captain, not kidding. I allow all guitars in the cockpit, always, not kidding. Airbus 321 Neo, proud D18 owner. Um, that is cool, something I never thought of. And if you have a guitar geek pilot, I mean, wouldn't hurt to ask, right? They can always say no, I guess, right? Um, 
Great stuff. And then Mark Easterbrook, another comment in the same vein. Uh, great tips. I'm a guitar geek and airline pilot. The guy carrying my guitar with my flight bag. If you see me at the airport, say hi. Tip number two is excellent and perfectly stated. Tony, thanks for another great show. Tip number two, for those of you who have not seen the show, is always say please and thank you to any airline personnel, to anybody. It's just a life thing, right? Say please and thank you. It'll get you a lot further than being crass and not kind. Moving right along to our next comment coming from our favorite Robert Johnson. That's not Robert Johnson. Um, <laughs> the comment comes from Robert Johnson. He says, great show as usual. I don't fly much anymore with or without my guitar, but some of the tips can apply to traveling by car as well. I use a Ziploc bag, sometimes two layers in my accessory compartment in my car. Never know when a sudden stop is gonna make everything shift. Tip one and two are important. Manners always matter. I had a tile in my laptop case get checked on a flight and another passenger took the wrong case. First time I had used a tile, but it saved my computer and my job. Thanks for the weekly show. I relax so much when I watch it. Robert, thanks for sharing your experience with the tile. Those are those tracking devices that I said, hey, you know, if you are traveling with your guitar, throw an AirTag or a tile or some other sort of tracking device in your case. This way you can actually see where your guitar is. If it should, you know, God forbid, get lost or somebody else picks it up, what have you. Uh, it's a great safeguard, something I learned, again, I think uh, from Jake Workman or Russ Carson, uh, both phenomenal players. Russ plays a banjo, Jake plays a fine, fine flat pick guitar, and um, just an invaluable tip for certain. And then finally, I just want to wrap up by saying one of my huge omissions in my flying list for flying with your acoustic guitar is to use a travel guitar. There was a, quite a few comments saying, hey, tell them, yeah, hey, big one here, big one, um, bring a travel guitar. Yeah, I think that's a solid investment, especially if you're thinking about bringing things and putting them in the overhead compartment. Travel guitars, now they make fold-up travel guitars, very tiny guitars, uh, guitars that the neck pops off. Uh, you can put those in the overhead, and I got to say, that certainly would take the worry out of flying. Something I completely overlooked. Um, some of my favorite travel guitars, the um, Taylor GS Mini and the Ferk Little Jane. Um, for the Ferk Little Jane, wow, just an engineering feat, just a phenomenal instrument, sounds killer and um, is very, very easy to move with because, well, it, the neck comes off the darn thing and stows away in the body. Very cool stuff. And speaking of FERC, uh, that's what's gonna kick off our second round of acoustic news you can use. We're gonna take a tour of the FERC Guitar Factory. They posted a video and I thought it was just darn right cool to see, and I want you to see it as well. That was just a small part of the video tour. They're gonna to be posting more portions of that tour on Instagram, so make sure to follow them. And I believe it'll probably find its way to YouTube as well. So uh, if you wanna see the full detailed tour, you can certainly check that out. Uh, our next story is again from the inlay realm, and it involves an Acoustic Tuesday viewer, an Acoustic Tuesday participant, Sean DeBurka. Sean DeBurka is just a fantastic modern fingerstyle guitar player. Him and I actually share a lot of the same musical influences from metal to uh, Blink-182, kind of all of, uh, you know off the beaten path of the, the acoustic guitar world. But anyways, um, he's submitted his guitar signal before. He has been featured on the show because like I said, he's just a great player. And I've also featured his graphic design work. Uh, he's done quite a few different album covers for various uh, artists in, in the world of acoustic guitar. And now his artwork is gonna be featured in inlay. In inlay? On inlay? His artwork's gonna be inlaid into a fretboard of a very important guitar. Uh, check out this picture. He says, it's been a huge honor designing the fretboard inlay for Faith Guitar's 20th anniversary guitars. Hand inlaid using abalone for the leaf segments and mother of pearl for the trunk and roots. Uh, a beautiful motif here, just glorious. Uh, you can kind of see the fretboard and it just, it's just one of those things, again, talk about material choice. You got that abalone for the leaves, mother of pearl for the trunk and roots. Uh, just, just beautiful stuff. So congrats, Sean, on working on that and just doing a, a fantastic job. A beautiful, uh, subtle celebration there on the 12th fret. 
What do we have next up? Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, next up is an easy one. Uh, head on over to the Iris Guitars website. They just did a merch restock and their logo is so darn cool and their hoodies look so comfortable. Um, just check it out. They just restocked their merch. I don't know if it'll last all that long. So if you've had your eyes on an Iris Guitars shirt or hoodie or hat or something, get over there, snag one because you can be a very proud supporter of that amazing guitar company. Have I said amazing a lot? I feel like I have. I feel like I always do. You know, I was, I was editing uh, a couple weeks ago, I was editing the show. And if I was running an awesome count, I probably said awesome upwards of 38 times probably upwards of 50 times. So if you want to play a fun, uh, you know, if you find yourself imbibing in adult beverages, if you want to play a fun drinking game, every time I say awesome or amazing, take a sip. Uh, you might not last to the end of the show. Just warning you. Uh, next up, one final thing that just warmed my heart. See if I can find it here. I don't know if I can find it. Uh, internet's slow, I guess. Uh, it's Lightning Hopkins. Where do they find it? Anyways, I'll just describe it from memory. It, oh, here it is. It warmed my heart because it's Lightning Hopkins playing at a house party. And I gotta tell you, this to me captures all of what music is, should be, the feeling, the performance, what it does, bringing people together. It's basically Lightning playing at a house party. The kids are dancing, people are washing, uh, just everybody's having a good time. Uh, just, um, they clearly played the uh, Acoustic Tuesday drinking game uh, because they're just jamming out, having a great time. And um, yeah, just smiles all around. I, I would love to be in attendance of this house party. And rather than me try and describe it anymore, I'm gonna shut my yapper and have you take a look right now. <laughs> On those celebratory party-infused notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, we're gonna continue, we're gonna continue the party. We're gonna continue the party with an acoustic blues bonanza. An acoustic blues bonanza, yes indeed. Uh, next week, if you wanna learn about new slash old acoustic blues artists, next week's show is for you. I'm gonna be sharing with you some under the radar, off the beaten path acoustic blues artists. I have been very much in the blues world lately. You know, you've seen the last couple episodes taught me talking about resonator guitars. I've really been digging. Uh, another shout out to Tom Feldman's website, playcountryblues.com. I've been really just eating all of that up and learning about a lot of new artists not necessarily new in terms of just coming out, but new in terms of 30s, 40s, 50s, me just discovering them. And I wanna help you discover them as well. So if you're a blues fan, next week's episode is gonna rock for you. If you are new to the acoustic blues world, next week's episode is gonna rock for you. So make sure to tune in next week. You can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Thank you for being a, an acoustic guitar geek, a guitar geek, Thank you for being a guitar geek, and uh, I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you, Guitar Geeks Unite.